The bumper music we selected for our guest is uh, by design because the song, if you're a 70s fan, was Precious and Few. Feels like there are precious and few acts of rational thought happening right now over the uh, plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. I'd like to talk to the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary. He, of course, represented Georgia's 6th Congressional District uh, from 2005 until 2017. He now is, uh, in many ways, the face, the voice, the chief salesman of um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I think it's officially the American Health Care Act, but it's being slowly morphed into Trump care. And uh, Secretary Tom Price, to watch the media over the weekend, we Republicans are just evil, greedy monsters who only want to take care of billionaires. We want the the poor and the elderly to die. We have no intention of fulfilling President Trump's promises to keep people, uh, you know, happy with lower premiums. I mean, to quote a one one column from I think it was Good Old Salon. Donald Trump's new health care bill is a disaster, and even he knows a single payer would be better. There hasn't been a shortage of hyperbole over this, has there, Dr. Price? No, there sure hasn't. And I think the bumper music, the first line was, cherish is the word. So you got to cherish. You got, you got to cherish, cherish the words. Back. We're going to cherish the co- words we have from you, I think, <laughs> because maybe you won't be in in a uh, you know in a fit of hysteria. Let, let's talk about the hysteria because oh, there's part Talk of this. To- I mean, it's been. I'm, I, I guess we should expect this over any piece of legislation. But let's be fair. This is ambitious. This is as big a. Uh, uh, a, a change in direction in a in a program that the government has been providing that we've we've probably seen in our lifetime. Well, and and, and it is, and the reason for that is let's step back and 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 see what what the problem is. The problem is is that the that Obamacare, the ACA, is not working. Uh, so you've got uh, folks uh, in the individual small group market that has been the, that market has been decimated by Obamacare. You've got a third of the counties in the nation where you only have one choice of uh, of an insurer. Five states only one choice. We learned last week that uh, that uh, the the last uh, insurer in Iowa was pulling out of 94 of the of 99 counties. You got Aetna pulling out of Virginia. You got Maryland admitting that they're that they're asking for their premiums to go up up to 60 percent and and stating on the record that the reason was Obamacare, not not what's happened since, but the reason was Obamacare. So this is failing the the, the patients and the individuals that are absolutely uh, it's absolutely necessary for it to be in place so that they're able to gain the kind of care. Uh, that they want for themselves and for their families. That's what we're trying to fix. So right, that's and, and, and and I must say it was fascinating to watch the defenders of Obamacare over the weekend on the Sunday shows and all the different interview shows admit there's a problem. For example, even Donathan Gruber, who's described as the architect of Obamacare, admits, yeah, there there are definitely problems. He actually suggested that the few days that you know that Donald Trump was in office he created all these problems with Obamacare I'm not sure how Mr. Trump managed to pull that off because that that would be quite a feat but remember remember what Gruber said originally and that is that is that uh, that it was because of the ignorance of the American people that they were able to pass the bill in the first place right right uh, right these these folks are not necessarily to be trusted with their assessment at this point no, to, to, and, that, and that's an understatement. But but all of them acknowledge Iowa and these states that are that are that are 
seeing a disastrous complication. Let, let's just go back to some of the hysteria in terms of, of what Americans are hearing, and let me direct it to you because you can address this and you can answer this better than, than most, obviously. How about the claim that tw- the, you know, the CBO's first score said 24 million? They keep clinging to that number. Will millions of people have their health care coverage ripped out from under them as a result of, of, of the, uh, the Republicans' version of health care? No, a couple points. One is that what the Congressional Budget Office looked at was a, was a sliver of, of the entire proposal and entire plan because it only looked at the specifics of the legislation going through, through Congress. Didn't look at any of the other pieces of legislation that the president has, has promoted. Didn't look at any of the things that we're able to do here at the department to make certain that we fulfill the president's uh, assurances and promises to the American people. That is that there would be a smooth transition, that we would make certain that states had greater authority over Medicaid, that there was expansion of HSAs. That means personal uh, ability to, to select the kind of coverage that individuals want instead of what the government forces them to buy. And to make certain that decision-making moves from Washington, D.C., not just to states, but to patients and families and doctors. And that's the assurance that the president has given, and that's what we're going to do. By the way, I want to go back to something you said about Jonathan Gruber. It is absolutely true that in a video that surfaced um, a few years ago, Gruber said, quote, the stupidity of the American voter was really critical for the thing to pass, referring to Obamacare. So, I mean, arguably, one could say that now the hysterical criticisms of what the Republicans are trying to do will also have to rely on the stupidity of the American people because, you know, we're going to be stupid enough to believe that Republican leadership wants a bunch of people to, you know, not have health care and to die. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's a crucial component for the way these guys do business, well, isn't it? Is, but that's Washington think. When you get outside the beltway or outside the elite uh, 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 conversations, the American people know that the health care system that is currently in place is not necessarily serving them. And it's not, for, it's not everybody because we've got basically four different systems. You've got Medicare, Medicaid, the employer-sponsored insurance where most individuals get their coverage, and then the individual and small group market. Medicare and the, and the employer-sponsored uh, coverage uh, uh, area, that, that, that's not being touched other than to decrease premiums for those in the employer-sponsored. That's not being touched by this legislation. So the individuals who will be affected are those that are being harmed right now by the current system because premiums are going up, deductibles are going up. A lot of people have an insurance card, but they don't have any care because they can't afford the deductible to be able to get the care that they need for themselves and for their families. So what we're trying to do is to solve uh, the, the the challenges that exist out there for the American people, not create new ones. All right, let's all let me also give you another of the criticisms I heard. A little bit, one of the more outlandish ones. Let's pretend that let's just say that you're on NPR right now or MSNBC, and I'll I'll, I'll point out that the study group, the group right now of legislators who are gathered to to flesh a lot of this out just comprised of white men. So obviously this is a white privilege issue as well, right? Why didn't you have any women or black or black people or Asians on this study group? Well, this is most offensive I, I, because, uh, look, uh, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's the, who's the chair, chairperson, chairman of the, uh, uh, of, of the Republican conference in the House of Representatives, was in, uh, intimately involved in this process. Diane Black, uh, uh, a representative from Tennessee, is the chair of the Budget Committee, is the author 
sponsor of the bill going through the House that went through the House of Representatives, Seema Verma, who is the administrator for for uh, CMS uh, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. All these individuals, leaders, leaders in in this area, and with great experience uh, and expertise. So this this is absolutely offensive to uh, those who understand and appreciate what's really going on. All right, final issue that we keep hearing over and over ad nauseum, it's the uh, the issue of pre-existing conditions, obviously, and the controversy lies with the fact that it sounds like this plan uh, kicks, kicks that process to the states who might opt out and could leave people with pre-existing conditions facing considerably higher premiums. Is that true? No, well, that, that's exactly what's happening right now, because what we see is that you've got, and in fact, it's not just higher premiums, it's not an access to any coverage at all. Right. So as I mentioned, a third of those counties, five states, only one issuer. You've got, uh, uh, you've got many counties in Tennessee and, and Mississippi where they've been told that they won't have any, any uh, in, insurance provider in the, in the exchange market uh, next year. Uh, if you've got a pre-existing condition, you, it, it, it's not that you're not going to be able to find insurance because it costs too much. You're not going to be able to find insurance because it doesn't exist. So that's the challenge that we've got that we're trying to fix. What we believe is that there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to make certain that those who are who have significant health challenges are always able to gain the kind of coverage that they want for themselves and for their families and do so in a way that makes it so that it's affordable. And that's why the increase at the uh, at the end as, it, as the bill went through the House actually increased resources for those who have pre-existing conditions so that there would uh, uh, those who are uh, who are poor or those who are sicker uh, get an increased subsidy over the uh, uh, over the original plan. A lot of a lot of people as I read about this there's a $16,122 uh, social security benefit that somebody can get. I mean, when you, when, in other words, when you maximize your social security benefits, there are things that can be done that that are far from the dire, bleak picture that's being painted from from those who oppose this. It's really important to remember that those who who oppose it would have opposed the most stellar, you know, pristine plan the, um, imaginable short of, you know, a socialist style of, of, of uh, health care that the government just paid for out of our taxpayer dollars. I mean, the politics of this is really pretty profound, isn't it, Dr. It, Price? It, it, it really is. But let's remember that the, the folks who are, by and large, the folks who are critical of this are, are uh, single-payer advocates. They're individuals who want the government to control all of this. Right. Uh, the president doesn't believe that that's the appropriate process, nor, nor do we at Health and Human Services, and nor do the vast majority of the American people. They understand that when Washington is making decisions about their health care, that they lose. Right. And what we believe is that those decisions ought to be made at the state level, ought to be made at the local level, ought to be made between patients and families and doctors. Look, these are our, uh, uh, our neighbors. Uh, the, for, for those in Congress, they're their constituents. Uh, these are individuals that we want to make certain have the kind of coverage and care that they want for themselves and for their families. Uh, so that what we're trying to do is to make certain that we fulfill the president's promise, which is to have a plan that actually works for people, uh, a transition phase so that nobody falls through the cracks, that we cover pre-existing illnesses and injuries and conditions, that we expand the HSA uh, process so that there are greater choices, uh, especially for young people who uh, m- many of them have said uh, uh, don't don't include me in that uh, Obamacare plan right. because it doesn't work for me. 
um, and, and to do so in a way that, that, again, transfers this authority, this decision-making power from Washington, D.C. to where it ought to be, and that's with patients and families and docs. And I, I also don't want to minimize the fear that people have. I mean, it's hard yeah. not to get nervous when you see this the relentless media you know, narrative that's being driven right now. A lot of folks are just scared. They don't, they don't. And, and, and I, I'm trying very, very hard to respect that and appreciate that and know that if you're worried that your healthcare premiums are going to continue to go, and they're already, people are already having their backs broken by premiums. And, and like you said, the lack of availability of healthcare coverage. So, you know, they're, I'm sure people are saying, my gosh, we can't go from the frying pan into the fire. Uh, That you're absolutely right. And this is, this is real stuff. These are real people. And when I, when I, uh, in my former life, when I was a practicing physician, uh, and and I uh, would treat uh, an individual or a family, and 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 mom and dad uh, realized that they weren't going to be able to provide the, the 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 care for their son or for their daughter that they wanted. That's that's a that's a fearful moment. That's, that's a real. distressing moment. You bet. And 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 what 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 the 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 left is doing at this point is the old stock and trade that they always do, and that is to scare the bejesus out of folks. Yep. And 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 that's that's just that's just wrong. Uh, what what we're attempting to do, what we're trying to do, is to reform and improve the system of health care that we have in, the, in, in this nation. Right now, many individuals, again, are being tossed to the side because the premiums are so high, the deductibles are so high, they can't afford the care that they need. When I talk to my former colleagues who, take, who still take care of patients uh, uh, in, in, in the real world, as I call it, mm-hmm. uh, they, they tell me about the people who, who literally break down in tears because they know that the deductible is so high that they can't afford the care that they need for their kids. And that's under the existing system. That's under the existing yes. plan right now. Right. And, and, you know, that's the other part of this, the, the real over-the-top, melodramatic, people-are-going-to-die finality rea- type of reactions are kind of you know comical because we have a long way to go. There doesn't seem to be any question that this could have a whole different shakeout coming out of the Senate. Then it's got a you know got reconciliation and this is probably I, I, you know arguably the first step of five four or five major steps that have to happen before this thing can become law, right? It, absolutely, but it also does a, a remarkable disservice just to the just to the political discourse that has to occur. Right. We, we as a nation have significant challenges. You talk about them every single day on your yep. show. Yep. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that the way that we solve those appropriately is to have a sober, sane, articulate, intelligent discussion about what the solutions are and then allow the American people to voice their concerns and their, and their choices at the ballot box and then move forward. When we have all this political hyperbole and, 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 and scare tactics, it just does a disservice to that kind of conversation and appropriate decision-making. Were you moved by the Jimmy Kimmel monologue who tearfully talked about his uh, newborn son's health problems and how he hoped that nobody would have to face that without the benefit of health insurance? Did that, did that impact you in any way, Dr. Price? Uh, I, it, it's absolutely moving, and it, and it, and it demonstrates the kind of, of, of uh, concern and love that folks have for their for their families and for their for their fellow man. You bet. And 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 that's what we're trying to address. Yep. The issue that that Jimmy Kimmel talked about is 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 important. And and what we want to make certain is that individuals, every single American, has access to the kind of coverage, so that 
nobody is uh, uh, is, is denied that kind of treatment uh, that his uh, that his son received. Understanding that the treatment that his son received is 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 is, is here in the United States and a cutting edge because of the kind of innovation that exists out there, and that's the kind of thing that we also need to incentivize. We haven't even talked about the the research and development that is so vital to the quality of health care and how the federal government right now is disincentivizing that kind of innovation and what we need to do is incentivize that so that we continue to have the highest quality care in the world. Mr. Secretary, we're pulling for you. We're praying for you because if you guys get this right, it's going to be great for America. And I know you're working diligently, and we're always grateful for the time that you're able to give us here on the Mike Gallagher Show. I know how much my listeners appreciate it as well. All the best, sir. Keep fighting a good fight. Take care. God bless.